1: Hi, and welcome to the podcast. Today, I'm spending time with uh, another new friend I met at Exponential. His name is Ed Kang, and he leads a thing called Grace Point Ministries. In what I'm going to call the People's Republic of Berkeley, California, one of the hardest places in the world to do ministry. And yet these guys have got a ministry among college students that is not only thriving, it's multiplying, it's growing. It looks like a microchurch movement. Uh, I'm excited to hear their story. So, Ed, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Ralph. Oh, it's an honor. So, Ed, we want to get into the nuts and bolts of the ministry. And so I'd like to have you just give me the kind of the elevator speech, the 30-second overview. And then I'd like you to kind of, if you could go into uh, your personal experience, how did you come to Christ? Uh, How did you feel called to do this? Uh, What's been your work experience, your schooling experience, those kinds of things that have added up. To the person that you are today, and then later on we'll talk about the, the nuts and bolts of the ministry.
0: The overview of our church is that we're a collegiate church planting network, and uh, we're right now in 38 cities, uh, as, and uh, has a, uh, we, and we have an outreach to about 70 some campuses. I grew up in L.A. in the 70s, and uh, was on my way to uh, petty crime and. Delinquency um, actually grew up kind of poor struggling immigrant family. My dad was an alcoholic. Um, Only later did I realize, Oh, that's what he was. Um, Never could hold down a job uh, because he was a proud businessman from Korea and uh, couldn't really adjust to America. He would he would tell me I became deaf and mute all for you. So you need to succeed. Uh, You know, typical immigrant. overloading of expectations uh, on the on the one son so i was i was the only only son and um he became deaf and mute meaning he can't understand english and he can't speak english so that's what he meant by that um so i was a, a an angry kid um and um was starting down this path of uh juvenile delinquency uh and then um and then i became uh, then there was this uh, cool uh postman who worked the, the graveyard shift, and during the day, gathered together a bunch of youth, just on his own, uh, and um, we had a little Bible study there on Saturdays, and he had a guitar, which was radical back then, um, to and taught us praise songs, and so I became Christian in 79, um, and uh, just immediately uh, became an evangelist on my campus, and uh, started a Bible study, uh, then I went to Berkeley, um, and um, it was going to be like pre-med, go to med school, like every other good Korean immigrant kid. And um, back then coding wasn't a thing, so. Uh, and then I decided to, I decided I like writing, so, and, and reading and, and, and talking. So I went to law school instead. So I went to Berkeley Law. I practiced law at a San Francisco, like big corporate firm, uh, practiced a little bit out in Boston as well. Uh, and then uh, at the age of 30, um, uh, it, it, it dawned on me that, and, and, and during that time I was engaged in college ministry, Uh, first evangelizing my peers and then the younger classmen and was part of this collegiate church uh, about a mile away from campus. And then there came a point where I said, you know, if I left this desk, like some other aspiring lawyer can represent Bechtel uh, just as well. Uh, But the the guys that I'm pouring into who, as crazy as it seemed to me then, uh, just soaking up everything I was sane and wanted to be just like me. And uh, I I looked at the scene and it's like, no, people aren't entering into uh, ministry because uh, they can't afford to. Well, I could afford to. My wife was a computer uh programmer for sun microsystems back then and so just gave up the job and and entered into full time ministry and started leading since 93 uh and uh, we didn't start planning churches until uh 2007 uh so there was this long incubation period where we were understanding what the church is supposed to be um And then, and then one day it dawned on us, wait, we should duplicate this in other college towns. Uh, And so we wanted to, like, we just, we're just loving life. We're just, you know, and college, college students are happy, uh, except for finals, you know, And, and I think college students are happy because it's artificially limited. Uh, you just live in, in, in close proximity. Uh, the different like uh, social class is all muted because you can be really rich. You know, you're not going to like, there's only so much you can put into your dorm room. And uh, everybody's on mission, except in this case, it's it's to to pass classes, right? And uh, that created a template for Acts to Life. And um, we, I remember deliberately saying to one another and to the younger guys, wait a minute, let's not scatter because the world would, would, would tear us away to supposedly better better things like you're always supposed to be moving on to la or to new york like let's not do that um and let's not keep increasing our standard of living uh, because we make more money because that's what splits people you know like different standards of living become then barriers and you can't hang out anymore and people go out to the suburbs and back then i think um uh, I, i think it was john howard yoder um rich christians in a poor world something like that uh, and then um, the uh, Foster book, uh, Discipline, uh, Celebration of Discipline, the Simplicity chapter rocked us. And uh, we were already living simple lives as college students and new grads, as, as single guys, you know, like just continuing to live like college students right after college. We said, wait a minute, this is good enough. Like, let's keep it like this. And then we said, wait, we're, we, without being all that spiritually mature, we're sort of living X too, you know, and so let's duplicate this. And, you know, that took a while for us to realize. And then starting from 2007, we just started planting churches in college towns everywhere.
1: And I'm, I'm really, really uh, it, it, it just enthralled with hearing this story. And I'm wondering how come I haven't heard it before. But I, I, wanna, I want you to take me back to that guy with the guitar, the postman, because I, I would look at that. You know, my, my definition of a church is two or three people gathering in jesus name but i think that the characteristics are there's it's it's really acts two. there there's there's teaching fellowship breaking bread prayer praise people sharing with each other and you know a a lot of people will get all off on oh you got to be large enough to have a a board of elders that, that kind of stuff it's like don't give me that um but but my wife came from something like this in LA uh, she lived in Echo Park which now is a multi-million dollar neighborhood in those days was a ghetto I I mean really frightening place to grow up as a little kid but they had uh, the the public schools in America used to have a thing called Christian release time something like that you'd get out of school an hour early one day a week and there was this lady she she still remembers her name and that's all who would give them candy at the end of a meeting and and do a little bit of a a a bible deal and you know she was her parents were deaf mutes both of them they were attending a, a, a church but she's not deaf so she didn't quite fit but this lady brought her to maturity in christ as a as a child she moved away from there when she was in the sixth grade so all of this happened in elementary school uh, kind of unpack that a little bit. Tell, tell some, you know, you got to have some good memories about this man. And the reason that I'm asking this is that there are people in our churches who, I mean, we look at the apes gifts in, in Ephesians 4. Uh I, I hearing you, I'm hearing the word evangelist just come through. Uh I, I am not. You know, I'm the guy who sits on an airplane and won't talk to anybody. Uh the guys in my church that are always, you know, I led this person to Christ in a three hour flight. I, I just I so wish I could do that. But I, I I see people and I think that we're we're kind of missing the boat because if, you know, one one of my hobby horses is that they call would call me the pastor. Well, that negates all the other people who are, have a pastoral gift in our church, and I'm kind of on a flyer of we need to recognize these gifts. And and sometimes it's vocabulary that stands in our way. If I'm the pastor, then you're not a pastor. And it, in our uh, small group ministry that we had, what I would call micro church inside the church, uh, we tried to call those guys pastors and. About half of them said, "No, no, no, no. I'm a leader. I'm not a pastor." So I think we we need to rearrange our thinking a little bit and and see people like uh, this lady that influenced my wife, or this man that influenced you. Uh, I, I mean, I would see him as a pastor evangelist, something like that. Talk talk to us about that. Just you know, help get guys in, that are listening to this mm-hmm. to go. We got guys in our church. If I'd support them, they could do these things.
0: Gosh, man, I can go on and on about that. You know, what, what happened was um, he, he and a couple of his friends um, did this thing, and, um, and then they brought us all together at a retreat at Big Bear Mountain at, at this cabin that we squeezed into, uh, 30 of us there. Uh, I think most of them, um, sort of like me, kind of lost, and um, the, the retreat was so powerful uh, that they decided to start a weekly uh, Bible study, which was kind of crazy how they approached it. We had Friday night prayer uh, at night at Santa Monica Beach under uh, like and, you know, shouting at the waves, you know, and and then we had Bible study on Saturdays and Sundays. And the diehards went to all three, and that was me. I needed something that intense as a youth. Um, and then these guys um, got so uh, amazed at what God was doing through them that they did the next logical thing, which is to go to seminary. And then once they became seminarians, they did the next logical thing, which is to apply for positions at churches. And then they were driving the van and um, and 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 serving all the all the logistical and janitorial and chair setup needs of the church and the whole group sort of dissolved, uh, by that time I was well into college. So, so it was really sad for me looking. So I was fortunate to be in in the most intense phase of that, but because of their fruit, they thought, well, then we all should go to seminary and do this full time, except seminary led them to church and church took them away from ministry. Uh, so that was really crazy making for me to, to look at that. Um, and um, I, um, today, where we are on this is we don't use the term pastor very much. Um, I'm still Pastor Ed. That's like my name now. Uh, but all of the guys that are sent out, and you, you know what? The fact is, your typical college student doesn't care we really try to reach unchurched people so of course they don't know the terminology but they don't know that they don't care if you're the pastor or the bishop or the preacher they're not they're not hung up on whether you went to seminary and the vast majority of our guys who are leading teams um, like i think a majority of them are bivocational so they have day jobs and they have like you know pretty pretty good careers. Um, and then, and then they do, they, they just lead and they create community and they, they are, you know, community creators uh, more than anything else. And, uh, and then some of our guys are full-time and, and we haven't ordained uh, hardly any of them. So when, and then the parents will come who are, who are, you know, from a traditional church and they just call them pastor and they don't argue. And like, who's the pastor here? And they go, I am, but that's not the terminology that we use. And where I'm really fortunate to be part of, you know, the, the Southern Baptist nomination that doesn't require all of these these uh, credentialing things in order for you to lead and preach. So, and then some of our groups are not even leader led; it's a cohort uh, of a uh, you know a handful of young uh, couples who just sort of lead together. There's not a single leader there.
1: I love that. I uh, you know I I think internally uh, we need to recognize gifts, and, and so I. I really, you know, we kind of built everything that we ever did off of three passages of Scripture. Acts 2, Ephesians 2, and Ephesians 4. So you're God's masterpiece. He's created you to good works. Now go, now go out there and do them. I'm not in here. This is just, you know, we would actually say this isn't a church on Sunday. This is a convention of small churches. And you'll you'll know if you're a member or not if you're, you know, if, if you're in one, uh, one Sunday I stood up and, and I, and then I started, I started using, it, it was just a joke when I said it, but I, I go, you know, I just want to make a really solemn promise to you. And I got a real serious face on, I go, if you're, um, you're sick, you're injured. You're in the hospital for any reason. I promise you, I will not be there. I won't come to see you <laughs> because I'm not your pastor. I, I I'm, I'm, and we're in Hawaii, so I, I I'm the big kahuna. And um, but your pastor is is the, the the pastor of at the time we were calling the mini church. And and if he's doing his job, he won't come either because his job is to equip the saints to do the work of ministry. They'll be there. And we actually saw it played out one time. I actually did go to a hospital because one of my really close friends was there and I couldn't get in the room, the door wouldn't open. I got this little nurse and she jammed the door open. There are people leaning against the door. Their whole mini church was inside the, the room. And but but what what I'm seeing and and I'm hearing from others is kind of echoing what you're saying. We're not using this terminology. <clears throat> but what I believe is that internally we need to be saying, you are an evangelist, so go you know do this and you got my support um you have an apostolic bent to your life and you got my support but out there i mean the people who run out and call themselves apostle i've actually seen people put it on their business card it's like "Mm, crazy (laughs) or what um and when when i was in california uh, my name was ralph you know people would want to call me in those days they called you reverend it's like oh so you know i got i got a revered uh, one (laughs) <laughs> so I, yeah. And I got set free from that. And here's how I had it on my business card. I was so proud of that. I was 22 years old, graduated from a Bible college, and the pastor bought me these business cards, said Reverend Ralph Moore. And uh, shortly after that, it wasn't but maybe two or three months. It was a Sunday night. We had Sunday night church. I'm wearing a suit and tie. I'm a youth pastor wearing a suit and tie. It's silly. Yeah, it is. And I forgot my Bible. And so I go back in the church, get my Bible. And we had left the parking lot. My car was parked in the street. My wife was there. And I come out, and and there's these bushes about two and a half feet tall. I'm flying over the top of the bushes with my suit flapping in the wind. And one of the kids in the group goes, Reverend Ralph. And it was like, (laughs) I put away the cards. And in that church, they still called me that, and I. But I, I was chafing. So then afterwards, my mantra would be, uh, "Just call me Ralph." You know, m- m- it'll work for my mom. It'll work for you. And then when I got to Hawaii, the culture is different, and they, they kind of needed to do the Pastor Ralph thing, and so I, you know, I kind of went along with it. But I think if we're reaching non-believing people, we have to ditch those terms but seems to me that inside we have to educate form and function and this is this is the form that describes the function that god created you for so this
0: is um this is really yeah and and you know it's it's uh we found that we didn't have to fight to ditch the terms in that um everybody considers themselves to be ministers so we have this um strange term that's not um used outside of our church in quite this way very much i i noticed but we, we people say yeah i'm doing ministry and yeah in my ministry and um i'm and i have uh i i i t- Took a, i took this job so i can do more ministry so it's the, the word do ministry is, is it just rolls off the tongue for everybody and everybody understands what that means is to 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 reach and to nurture and to love and disciple people uh, in, in the context of a team and so we have um, we have people that uh, so everybody uh, it's, so our terminology is staff. Um, because we, we come out of a collegiate setting. So that's one way to distinguish the crew, InterVarsity, they call them staffs, but our staff are all bivocational. And so the the person who is full-time and leading the thing, a well, person who's leading the thing isn't necessarily full-time. So they're like doing exactly what everybody else is doing. So the idea that they are sort of set apart in some way uh, just doesn't enter into people's minds. And um, I, I think one of the things that we, I really kind of uh, are, are react against or rail against is the audience church, where you know you get everybody in to a big auditorium, so that the uh, so that the person with you know incredible charisma and and the ability to enthrall that crowd, man, like bless them that that's that's incredible gifting. Uh, and I don't want to take anything away from people who can do that. Um, and um, and 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 I can do that somewhat. Um, but there, there came a, a time when I realized, wait a minute, the more I exercise this gifting of mine, the more I'm turning everybody passive. And for me, what I wanted to do was, hey, at, my, at your age, I was doing this. So, why should you be under me? You should be doing this, and you should be scared, and you should be crying out to god and And so church planting came out of two different motivations, and for me, I think this latter motivation was stronger the 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 first motivation is, oh, we need to duplicate this. We need to reach college students because it's it's a group that's overlooked, and the parachurch approach wasn't something that was complete i thought i thought a local church reaching college students would be the ideal and you raise them and you 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 continue to raise them as kingdom workers but the other thing was my heart toward the people i'm raising up is at a certain point just the structure of the thing you know it's not that my character and and whatever is a ceiling to whoever under me that's true but what else is true is structurally um if you are, are are not leading out and making decisions and reaching people uh in in an autonomous way then then you get passive and i, I just didn't like th- i wanted the people i'm raising to have the same experience that i was having which means i need to get out of the way and then they need to lead and there was only so much of me getting out of the way and them leading that was possible within one church setting, one locale. And so that the church planting like you go and you duplicate, you recapitulate our history here out there, but then we stay connected so that, you know, we can continue to develop them. And so for me, it was sort of church planting was the next step in my understanding of discipleship of the guys I was raising.
1: So the question that would come to my mind is are are they planting churches have you have you moved into that next step after that after beginning to be a, a planting sort of network i think it kind of moves toward a multiplication movement and, and uh, you know terminology
0: is still a little goofy to me but yeah you know we looked at that, that and it it's uh we're not as fast as um as as some some really multiplying groups are um it it, it looks to me like about it takes about seven to eight years yeah. uh, because you need to go through the first cycle of you know four classes because when we land on a campus we reach the freshman. and then after it's the senior year some of them will stay and then more of them will stay and then and then we have indigenous you know leaders who are then pouring back into the college ministry there. And then once that flywheel gets going, then you're a little bit overstaffed. Then we're feeling like okay, it's time for a chunk of you to go. And um, that takes some time except when there's a campus right nearby. So our UNC group, our, our, our uh, North Carolina Chapel Hill group, uh, I think it was their fourth year and they hived off a group to NC State, you know, which is in in uh, Raleigh and they're in Chapel Hill. And um, so, but our older churches like Austin has sent out a number of groups. Uh, our Davis church sent out a number of groups. Um, still Berkeley is sending out the, the lion's share because we're, we're sort of the mothership and the largest. But now we're at a cycle where from the church plants people are going out that's exciting. that is yeah yeah and, 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 and I, that's the conversation around 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 here is like okay uh you know when's it my turn when's my chance to go out and plant a church uh and and you know we want to get a critical mass of teams that already kind of work together and then for them to go off to a new city and and duplicate the thing and there's a There's a pent up demand almost so this past like 2021 in the middle of pandemic I think people got kind of got stirred crazy and as I look back on it it's a little crazy still, but we sent out 400 people uh, at. To to 15 cities in 2021 uh, during the summer and and started on all these campuses, um, you know this past fall, and um, I think we have uh, uh, hundreds of them that were at the at the winter retreats uh, this this past. um, January and February. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe and check his blog at ralphmoore.net.